Welcome to Imperfect Action. This is Brock Edwards. And as we wrap up 2019, I'm counting down Imperfect Action's top 10 most popular episodes. But first the question, well, what's Imperfect Action about? You know, how, how would I describe this show to people? And I used to describe it this way. I used to say that it explores the journeys, the struggles, the successes, and the realities of iconoclasts, misfits, mavericks, and rebels who approach business and life on their own terms. I used to say that here you'll find ideas and inspiration from entrepreneurs, best-selling writers, experts, fitness champions, and musicians who have ignored common wisdom and charted their own course. And that last part is true. But see, the funny thing is, even though I described them all as misfits and mavericks, none of them ever said that's what they were setting out to do. None of them, really with maybe one or two exceptions, none of them really described themselves as being a maverick or a rebel. That just wasn't the point for them. Like everyone, like you, me, all of us, They were just trying to figure out how to go about their businesses, how to go about their careers, how to go about their lives in ways that made sense and worked for them. And in doing so, they ended up ignoring the status quo. They ended up kind of being the misfits and the mavericks, but that wasn't the point from the start. And I think there's so much that we can learn from that, that it's not rebellion for the sake of rebellion, but it is trying to figure out what works for me. Because the point of this show is really, how do I get unstuck? How do I get out of my own way? How do I take that first step, that next step? How do I move forward in my own business career or my life? And as we wrap up 2019, I mentioned that, yeah, we're counting down the top 10 most popular episodes. And so far, we've had entrepreneurs, we've had innovators, we've had a musician, and they come from a a range of countries, from the United States, from India, from Serbia, from Finland. And the themes so far have been overlapping but varied. And so we've covered listening to the marketplace. We've covered dealing with failure and setback, joy and inspiration, creating a competitive advantage through creating a phenomenal workplace culture, viewing business as art, our, our purpose, authenticity, redefining our lives, and innovation. And the interesting thing is, well, None of the guests talked about all of those things. Several of the guests talked about several of those things, that, that despite being from different industries, different backgrounds, different countries, that there, there's overlap to the theme of how do I go about creating this great life for myself? As we get to number three, and so, you know, it's getting serious now, we're down to the top three, uh, we have Sridhar DP, and he is a senior industry advisor on innovation enablement and moonshot thinking. And he shared his approach to thinking deep innovating fast and executing lean. Now he is founder and chief integrator of Innovation Enabler, also called iEnabler, and he shares the paradox between efficiency and innovation, how to go about creating a a moonshot futuristic mindset, and how do you create a structured approach to innovation? Rather than waiting for just kind of random chance and inspiration, how would you go about creating a process to ensure that you're able to innovate more consistently and more often? And as always, if this episode resonates with you, please share it with others who might also be inspired by Schroeder's message and ideas. But for now, let's get started. Hello, everyone. 
Good morning, good evening, wherever you are. Uh, welcome to Imperfect Action. Of course, I'm Brock Edwards, and today's guest is, well, an, an expert in, in innovation. Uh, Sridhar, would, would you like to introduce yourself and just let us uh, know a little bit about who you are and what you're up to? Hey, Brock, thank you so much. Good morning, good evening. So thank you for uh, joining us. Brock, uh, great. Uh, thank you for having me in this uh, show. Um, well, um, my name is Sridhar. I've been a uh, a management consultant for long and uh, I always made a good living out of it you know uh, high profile clients clients great challenges to work on and what more can you ask for uh, while the assignments were great the way we went about solving the problem was not convincing enough for me uh, that was the kind of creative ache that I kind of carried so um, I always found people around me celebrating serendipity one of genius and they said that is what is required for one to be successful. Uh, whereas I thought there must be some method uh, to this uh, madness, you know. So uh, that's the creative way that I kind of started with. I mean, it could be creating a new product, new service, new business model. Um, well, uh, I love the title of your show because there is a, a small story that I want to tell you even before we get started. So while I, yeah, while I had this creative ache, you know, uh, what I did was uh, I took a, a break from my career, uh, went back to a research school uh, to figure out a, a way to solve this particular problem. In fact, I met some of my mentors there who uh, would become future partners in my venture. So uh, the action was set in motion. I started a parallel project called iEnabler to address some of the problems that I uh, thought I should be solving. So I did not really wait for all that money. You know, I did not really wait for all the people to join me. So in that sense, uh, I fit your uh, uh, podcast, uh, Brock. Uh, I took an imperfect action. I did not wait for everything to be ready even before I got started. So I started with a parallel project. Yeah. So uh, in fact, you know, uh, personally, what I believe is um, if you are persistently passionate, the universe conspires to give you what you want. So I'm all for action. I have an action bias. <laughs> so that's a uh, short intro about me, Brock. Great. Well, so iEnabler, what, what is that project or that, I, I guess it's a company, about? Okay, great. So um, let me tell you uh, the uh, problem a bit and then tell you what iEnabler is all about. So uh, today, you know, innovation... Uh, is the most used word, right? So be it in the startup space or if you look at uh, the big enterprises, everybody uh, is talking about innovation. We know that the traditional methods that we were using as a, a, growth, a lever to growth, so that is kind of stagnated. So uh, you find innovation uh, as a term being used everywhere. So, but then, um, like I said, uh, if you go back uh, to the history, we always celebrated the Edisons, the Einstein. You know, we said, oh, these are genius guys, right? So, but you can't really manage that, right? You can't really stay with one or two people and run a big enterprise. So one of the challenges that I was trying to address with my colleagues was, how do I make innovation as a managed discipline? How do I make innovation as a structured approach? So in short, that is what we achieved in iEnabler. So iEnabler is a software that helps, uh, you know, uh, people to kind of create new products, uh, launch uh, new business models, discover new markets. And we have baked the innovation method in the tool. 
So, I mean, so many questions off of, off of that right there. You know, uh, is there a, a particular, uh, I don't know, size of company or industry that, that's attracted to uh, to iEnabler? And I guess my second question in there, not to hit you with too many questions at once, is how do you bake the innovation process into it? Right, right. Okay. Um, yes, uh, to answer your first question, uh, most enterprises... Uh, you know, kind of have uh, innovation agenda. Uh, top management always wants to innovate. Uh, you always have some resistance at the middle management uh, because we are we are never trained for innovation, right? We are trained for management. We are trained for uh, HR. We are trained for marketing. People are never trained to be creative. In fact, very early in our school days, you know, so uh, I mean, uh, they kill our creativity. Uh, well, I have good opinion about the schools, but then, you know, the kind of education systems that we have, systematically, we go on killing creativity. So we are kind of never trained for it. Right. So if you ask me, um, yes, most enterprises uh, uh, today have an innovation agenda and uh, they are our potential clients. And um, uh, Brock, that was the first question that you had. And the second question that you had was, how do you really bake this uh, innovation in the tool set, right? Uh, if you uh, look at this, innovation is a balance between creative freedom and execution discipline, right? You need to kind of balance both. So you need to be ambidextrous in order to do innovation. So... Um, if you look at the first part, creative freedom, you know, so that's where uh, we said uh, it's one of genius, uh, you know, only few people can do it. You know, that's how it all started. So this is one problem that we wanted to address. Uh, and the second part was, while ideas are great, if you don't build an execution model around that ideas, right, if you don't build a proper selection criteria, if you don't translate that into good concept, so most enterprises or most of us, we don't want to kind of pursue it, right? So the challenge for us was to bake in both the creative freedom and the execution discipline in the tool. So that's how we have started. We, we did that. Excellent. So, I mean, you, you highlight this really great paradox here where companies want innovation. Um, they, you know, they, they tout their ability to be innovative. It is a buzzword. And yet, as you point out, most of the people in business um, have not studied on how to be creative or how to be innovative. Right. And, you know, that was probably drilled out of them at a very early age. Right. And so what can the what can the individual do uh, from, from your experience to help, you know, help be a little more creative, help be a little sure. more innovative when they've been taught not to? Sure, sure. Uh, in fact, um, Brock, um, at iRabler, we have two offerings. One is the software, which helps people to kind of, you know, pursue innovation, make innovation as a repeatable and predictable uh, process. The other part that we have is a consulting work. So we call this as Innovation Sherpa. So uh, most of my clients, the first session that we do, uh, it's an interesting title. It's called Unlearning. How do you kind of get out of your expert bias? How do you unlearn from the past to kind of develop this creative freedom? Um, uh, for example, if you see organization, you know, enterprises, they're designed to be performance engines. So they strive for efficiency. You know, they strive for uh, repeatability, right? So, but then innovation is all about a possibility, 
so enterprises are not designed for possibility right so how do you kind of do this on one side you have uh, again a paradox that i'm bringing in on one side we want performance engine you know i mean every quarter you are there to uh, kind of announce your uh, balance sheet your reports the market is watching you on the other side you have to also pursue possibility so that's a kind of paradox that the management has so how does one kind of get it like i said a bit of unlearning so we kind of do a creative program where uh, we kind of help uh, the senior management understand what are the biases that are kind of driving them right so what is that expert bias that is driving which is really driving from the past right so uh, for example let us say i could have a a, a bias saying that um, i focus on result let's say i'm a result driven executive which is great but then when you are doing an innovation project there are always times where you know you may not be able to meet something on time on budget all that right so do i have creative tolerance right so do i have creative tolerance to kind of uh, get into that that's important plus uh, you know this is where i enabler kind of comes in and we have developed a lot of think models for people to be creative so uh, right uh, at the you know a problem discovery stage uh, to ideation stage to, uh, to go to market stage we have developed uh, lots of think models using which uh, we kind of uh, help the so called the adult mind uh, to be creative yeah you know you it's definitely i mean you, you mentioned it there that organizations are built for efficiency and yet it's really hard to be creative on a rigid schedule. I mean, you never right. know what idea is going to take off or when right. inspiration is going to strike. Right. Well, it, and we may have already touched on this, but what do people tend to get wrong or misunderstand about innovation? Okay. So, um, uh, here is another set of data that I have, right? Remember I spoke about growth stagnation being an important, uh, issue, um, traditional methods that the companies have used right so that's kind of uh, uh, that's re- reached that stagnation so they are looking for something new 90% of innovation budget uh, they do not have an approval outcome or an event to act on contrary to this innovation drives 90% of growth in companies like amazon apple google right so do you see the contradiction uh, block here so 90% of the innovation budget they do not have an approval outcome on the other side the great companies they drive innovation uh, and a majority of their revenues are from creating new products launching new services so that's the kind of contradiction that is there in the market today right so um um uh, going back to uh, your uh, uh, question one of the challenge that uh, we had brock was you know about um, we said if a ceo wants to really invest in innovation initiative unless there is some kind of a predictable outcome he or she may not be interested in it so predictable outcomes is what is important and to kind of get out of that uh, you know um, one of genius we said it has to be uh, repeatable right so these were two important things that we wanted to solve make innovation repeatable and the other side uh, ensure that the outcomes are predictable that sounds really hard actually um <laughs> so, and and so you've developed a process for it and, and you i mean even mention uh, like um 
You know, on your website, you talk about thinking deep, innovating fast, and executing lean. Right, so, right, right. How, I mean, so thinking deep, that, that in, in my mind, normally takes a, a lot of time and is, is less structured, but then innovating fast, mm, mm, um, mm. I mean, that, that almost sounds like an oxymoron in there, and I know people think of innovation as going fast, but I, I just, when I think of the creative process, to me, it goes slow. And, and so uh, how, how do you, I mean, what do you need to put into place in order to innovate quickly? Sure, sure. Uh, Brock, first I will uh, take the question that uh, we had about, you know, predictability. Now, why do I even talk about something like that? And then I'll come back to this question. Uh, if you look at the 1950s, right, um, my uncle uh, Sam was telling me that even before he started his car, he had to literally pray that, you know, nothing happens today, <laughs> right? So that was the state uh, of the automotive that we were in. But today, you and me don't care about it. We just go to our garage and we just uh, crank and then, you know, we are driving, right? So where we have moved, right? So that's the predictability that I'm talking about. So when you want to invest in future, you need to build in that predictability. Today, you know, if you look at the innovation process, we're in that 1950s in the automotive space where you still have to, you know, uh, pray to God, think of luck, right? All the serendipity, celebration, all that happens. But at Enabler, we were always saying that, you know, we want to be here. We want to have some kind of uh, predictability in the outcomes, uh, repeatability uh, in the in, in innovation process. So that's a kind of problem that we were, ki uh, you know, kind of trying to uh, work on. Okay, so uh, coming back to your question about think deep, innovate fast, execute lean. Yes, so... What we found, uh, uh, Brock, was, you know, over a period of time, um, we found that most people uh, kind of celebrate uh, adages like fail fast. I love that. But then don't fail for the sake of it. That is my point. Right. Mm. So uh, what did I really mean? You know, or what did we really mean when we said think deep? We said today, if you have working on an idea, right, so you need to understand all the counters of the problem. You need to understand how big is the opportunity. You need to find out, am I solving only one problem? Or are there a bunch of problems that I am solving, right? So you need to really think about a scaling right at the stage of conception, right? So uh, when I say think deep, I mean you got to reflect on the values. You have to find the purpose. You have to focus on the problems. You have to see how are you going to elevate the ideas. You have to see how you're going to think exponentially to solve the problem. All that comes in the think deep space, right? Whereas if you look at uh, innovate fast, so this is where the think models that we have developed are useful. Uh, let's play this, uh, Brock. You know, I mean, uh, I want to give away one think model. Shall we do that? Sure. Great. Okay. So here is a, a think model that I'm introducing uh, to you. It's called landscape analysis, right? It's called landscape analysis. So let's visualize a cell phone. Um, for me, cell phone is a system. So cell phone, all the circuitry, the battery, the glass, all that is subsystem for me. The carrier like your, um, uh, you know, AT&T or Sprint, right? Even my fingers, they're all the super system elements for me. 
So I am talking about three things here. The system, the super system and the subsystem. So coming back to our example of mobile, so mobile is a subsystem, the cell phone is a subsystem, uh, the cell phone is the system and the battery, the circuitry, everything gets into the subsystem and the super system is the carrier, the fingers that we use, all that, right? Now, let's systematically see what was there in the past. You can join me in this, Brock. So what was there in the past, you know? So before cell phones, we had a fixed line, isn't it? Yes, a a absolutely. Yeah, so there was a fixed line. I mean, uh, we had hard wired lines, you know, drawn into our homes, right? So if you kind of see the future, what could be the future, right? What could evolve uh, in the system space? What could happen in the super system space? So, for example, the kind of conversation that you and me are having, we are not using a cell phone anymore, right? We are just using a VoIP, a voice over internet, right, to have this uh, communication, right? So, uh, we are not just talking. So, we are also seeing each other, right? So, this is how you can kind of systematically see what has happened in the past, what could potentially happen in the future. You see that? And then you can also find out, well, should I be solving a problem at the system level? Or should I kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, take hold of a subsystem or the super system? So to give you an example, the success of iPod is not just a device. I mean, it's a great device, user interface. I mean, the usability, all that is great. But largely, it's because of iTunes. iTunes and iPod made a great story, right? A combination of super system and the system. The same thing with your iPhone iPhone and the app, you know, they made a great story. That's a great combination. So what we have come to see is anybody who dominates the super system and system, they kind of control the market. So this is what I meant by innovate fast. You need to have a lot of innovation patterns. You need to have a lot of innovation repositories, right? So to kind of uh, accelerate the entire process of innovation. So that is what I meant by uh, innovating fast. And the third dimension there, uh, Brock, it was the execute lean. Well, you think deep, you kind of understand that there are 10 problems that you want to solve. But then given the uh, timeline, the time span that we have, you know, we may not really have all the resources to solve all of them. This is where the executing the lean comes in, right? So we don't want to be very lean or mean our thinking, but execution, yes, it has to be lean. So I could kind of prioritize a bunch of features there and roll out my version one, roll out my version two. So this is where the execute lean model comes in. So in short, uh, we said our philosophy is we help people to think deep, innovate fast and execute lean. Yeah, I mean, you, you took us there. And so, I mean, you're giving great examples. I was trying to trying to keep up with them there. I mean, talking about going from, you know, landline phones, hardwired and it took me back to my youth. I'm actually lived in the country and, you know, had what, what we call party line where, you know, several people share the same phone line. And, you know, now today, yes. like you say, you, you and I are communicating across continents here, right. um, but, you know, not using any of that. And, uh, you know, that's such an, a, a huge leap. And, and I can definitely relate to the, you know, the car that you, uh, that got you very close to God to, um, 
hoping right. it would work. <laughs> and, and now today, you know, it's not really an issue at all. Um, in fact, I, you know, I tell my daughter about, you know, the, when you had a whole startup sequence on the car, you know, you had to know exactly how many times to pump the gas, hold the choke, you know, hold your mouth just right, think good thoughts, um, all that. And, you know, that, that's gone. So, I mean, so so that that to me is yeah. is all huge progress. Now we we talk yes. about you know companies want innovation. We don't necessarily train for innovation, uh, which is you know kind, kind of your your company. They're helping companies do that. So where do do startups or young companies um, where do they typically lack in innovation, or where where do they kind of get off track? Right. Okay. So. Um, uh, Brock, if you see, uh, you know, we started with uh, the enterprises. We said we will help enterprises in, in innovation enablement. Uh, we found some success there, you know, so people were able to create new products, launch new process, uh, all of that was happening. Now, uh, enterprise, um, they have an innovation budget, uh, so they have some support system for people to act on. Whereas if you look at startups, we don't do it that way, Right. The moment I uh, get an idea, we are all biased towards action. We want to go there, do it, build it, fail fast, learn, you know. So that's how we want to do it. So we said, if we are able to do this uh, for an enterprise, why not uh, for a startup? If you look at a startup entrepreneur, he has more energy, he's more driven, he's more willing to kind of, you know, take that risk. So this is where our, uh, the startup growth started especially with the Silicon Valley companies, you know, we said startups have growth option, more growth opportunities, they're more flexible, they can take decision faster. And we started we're talking to a lot of Silicon Valley companies and we are working with them. So what are the challenges here? Um, like I said, most of us start with an idea first. We go there, develop the solution. Then we realize that, oh my God, this is not what the market wants. So if you kind of go back and look at CB Insights, a research agency, so 41% of startups, they don't make it because they don't really know the market need. They don't really understand what customer wants. <clears throat> Around 17% of them are outcompeted. They kind of go launch their app. It will be a me too app and they're kind of outcompeted. And there are lots of products that we create, but it's a poor business model right? So around 17% of the companies, they don't make it because they have a poor business model. So we said for the startup, you know, we need to help them in all these three. Understanding the customer need uh, to create an unfair competitive advantage, right? So when you're kind of thinking deep, so how do you really uh, create an unfair competitive advantage, right? So that's a second uh, bit that we thought about. And the third bit was the business modeling part of it, or the business building part of it. We said, it's not just the product. It's about how do you kind of create a demand for the product? How, what are the supply elements that you have to look at, right? So we created a business builder using which the startups are able to kind of find out uh, what should be their gameplay, you know? So that's how the whole thing started. In fact, you know, uh, Brahak, what we found was there are so many promising startups without attraction. Good ideas crash and burn, right? The difference we find is that is, you know, that initial product market fit does not indicate long-term differentiation nor a rigorous business model. So they need innovation, plus they need some kind of a go-to market uh, to kind of build their companies. So that's where we started. 
All right. So, so they've got a, an idea, but you still got to determine whether or not it's a good idea and how, how do, I mean, you, you called it an unfair, create an unfair competitive advantage and right. then, you know, structure that through a, a business model that makes sense. So that's right. That's right. How, how do you create an unfair competitive advantage? Yes. So uh, there are uh, multiple uh, ways of doing this. Let me uh, just give you some examples. Um, if you look at um, uh, AWS, I mean, the entire cloud story, right? Amazon Web Services, right? So they're kind of market makers, right? You look at the way they are dominating the space, right? So not only they kind of... Uh, 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 the cloud was always there, even before AWS came in. But they kind of brought the price point. They kind of brought all the tools to such a point where uh, even an SMB kind of uh, can log on and kind of create their own cloud environment, right? So, in fact, they became category leaders. One of a simple way to create unfair competitive advantage is to be a category creator and lead it. Or if there is an established category, go there and lead it. So the trick is to kind of pursue such category creations. So a good example is the way AWS did that. A good example is the way iPhone did that, right? Or what Tesla is doing in the electric space, right? We always had electric cars, isn't it? But then look at the way they kind of took up that particular category. So hmm. a way to kind of create unfair competitive advantage is to kind of block, you know, to kind of uh, say, okay, it's not just the product environment. So it's the kind of partners that I have, right? So I'm going to lock in that. No one else will have an advantage that I have. Or the way I'm kind of creating a particular product or a system, I'll just say it's not just a product. It is a platform play. This is something that can be integrated with multiple elements, you know. So there are multiple dimensions using which you can kind of do this. So I just gave you one or two examples. Great. So, well, you know, it's easy to get caught up. I, I'm, you know, for organizations to get caught up in dealing with today or maybe even addressing the problems of yesterday, not even getting caught up to today. So, but how do you, how do you shift gears to really more of a, a futuristic mindset? Yeah. So sure. Uh, I call this as a moonshot thinking Brock, <laughs> right? So, um, so what is this? How do I kind of get into a futuristic uh, mindset? Let me give you some examples and then we can uh, uh, reflect back. Uh, many years back, a glass company said, we want to create a glass that cleans itself. They said, we want to create a glass that cleans itself. Right? Look at that statement. Um, if you look at a high-rise building, look at the way the glasses are cleaned, right? You need some help there, right? Just imagine mm -hmm. it's a 100 floor, uh, hundred floor building, right? So you need lots of people uh, to kind of manage the whole thing. So this glass company said, I want to create a glass that cleans itself. In the automotive space, we are saying, I want a car that drives itself. In the network space, I'm saying, Tomorrow, if there's a failure in the network, I want a network that heals itself. So what are we kind of getting into? We are kind of getting into a space called ideal final result, right? Or a dream solution. So what is this dream solution made of? 
so the components the formula for dream solution is imagine a formula now sum of all the useful functions in the numerator divided by sum of all the harmful function plus sum of all the cost items in the denominator so in the numerator we have sum of all the useful functions and in the denominator i have sum of all the harmful functions and the cost and i want my denominator to be zero which means i am expecting a set of infinite useful functions you see that so this is where we call this as ideal final result when the glass company said i want to create a glass that cleans itself so what is the useful function that they are talking about they are thinking about a glass that cleans itself right the useful function is about uh, how a human being need not be there uh, on the left you know kind of cleaning this particular glass right they are also thinking about the cost that is involved in maintenance of such a glass so this is how one can systematically get into a futuristic mindset right so this is possible with anything that we are doing bob uh, 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 brock so for example we are having this conversation right so uh, today you know virtually we can see each other and do it so let's kind of uh, put ourselves in the future so what is it we ideally want we ideally want us to kind of physically feel touch right and have uh, as good as an in a house conversation isn't it so that's something that we would want so can we do that why not right that's where the world is moving towards right be it our ai the vrs that we are hearing about is all about that dimension so uh, this is called moonshot thinking so where one can systematically look at the future and work backwards and say okay today i'm not there so what are the components that are missing right what do i do in my year 1 what do i do in my year 2 so systematically we can move towards such ideal final results um if you uh, remember uh, uh, this uh, uh, book uh, thinking big so he talks about uh, bhag big hairy audacious goals uh, rock so uh, ideal uh, final result is something like this thinking about that end result and working backwards so that's something that we do with most of the senior executives in the company I can imagine the energy that creates when, when you know people are given the kind of the freedom to to think that big um, w- without having to to worry about you know how are we going to do it yet let's just get it out there um, and, you know kind of as you described it moonshot thinking um, so as we wrap up today and th- this has been a great conversation I've been furiously scribbling notes here for for myself. Um, <laughs> let, 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 let me ask where can, well two questions always I like to wrap up with and one is you know where can people find you and, and let me ask that one first okay uh, well um, they just have to go to my website ienabler or uh, they can also always send me an uh, email i'm on twitter at uh, ienabler or at shridhar dp i'm always open for uh, uh, email conversation it is shridhar s r i d h a r at ienabler.co i e n a b l e r.co so they can, they can always get in touch with me there those are some excellent yes. and yeah and so la- last question for you uh, obviously you're out there helping people helping companies uh, re- really driving into the future how can the listeners help you what what would your ask of them be wonderful so 
any of the listeners here if you are kind of um, uh, you know if you feel your business is kind of stagnated or if you find some of your friends where their business is stagnated so they can definitely uh, you know kind of look at i enabler think of applying some of the think models that we kind of looked at and anybody who feels you know the need of the r for them is to kind of do innovation right is uh, to kind of uh, 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 do a structured approach to innovation so they can always you know get in touch with us and then we can work with them uh, to make this happen excellent well thank you so much for being on today uh, thank you so much brock uh, i love the conversation thank you Just a little, just a little